Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The last night took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Addition, as the Bengals look to rebound from Sunday's loss to the Texans as they face the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football. Coming up, Andrew Whitworth will be part of the Amazon Prime broadcast team, and I'll talk to Big Wit about the Cincinnati-Baltimore rivalry and his friendship with Joe Burrow. Then, I'll go one-on-one with safety Michael Thomas, who hasn't appeared in a game yet this year, but continues to be one of the biggest leaders on the team. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Jeff Wagner, a.k.a. Bengal Banner Boy. If you've ever been to a game at Paycor Stadium, chances are you've seen one of the 40-foot-long banners hanging high above the 50-yard line in Section 340. They've been made for every home game for more than 20 years by a ride-or-die Bengals fan named Jeff Wagner. His social media handle is at... Bengal Banner Boy. The banners are skillfully painted, very clever, and often pay tribute to specific players or coaches. Examples include Joey to Chase was the choice and Ludini's D is elite. Well, last week, the banner read Coffin Nails, Bam, 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 a nod to what Dave Lapham and I typically say after plays that clinch Bengals wins. Unfortunately, there was no such play against Houston last week, but here's hoping we get to scream that on Thursday night. Now, time for a game preview, beginning with one of the best players in Bengals history. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. He was the NFL's Man of the Year in 2021, and one day he will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is great to visit with our friend, Andrew Whitworth. Which are going to be part of the broadcast team on Thursday night when the Bengals take on the Ravens, and you were part of that rivalry 22 times. What stands out about Bengals-Ravens games? Man, I, I got so many good stories of playing those games. I, I uh, you know, some really good ones. I think one of my first starts in primetime actually was uh, Bengals-Ravens in in Cincinnati. It might have been Thursday night football actually, uh, playing Terrell Suggs. Uh, so I'll never forget that moment, you know, but first time ever growing up as a fan, watching him play, getting drafted to Cincinnati and realizing you got to play him in primetime wasn't as exciting, but it was fun. There's a lot of great robberies there, man. There's a lot of fun. I'll also remember, I think 2010 or 11, maybe I tried to finish Ray Lewis after a play and I found out real quick why he's considered their leader and captain because I think the entire defense jumped me after the snap. So <laughs> Uh, I've had some great Bengals Ravens memories, man. It's a lot of fun. The band, the flags. I always loved playing in Baltimore. I, I tell people now it's still one of one of the places I thought was the most fun to go play. Just the energy of that stadium. The atmosphere is going to be awesome on Thursday night. It always is in Baltimore. Let's talk a little bit about Joe Burrow. You two became close back in 2020 when he was recovering from knee surgery and you were recovering from knee surgery. He hung out on your couch in California. What'd you learn about Joe during that time period? 
I think just what a rare dude he is, man. I mean, uh, on the football, off of it, just a rare human being. I think I was, I walked away from that. Uh, you know, obviously, I you know, playing at LSU, I was a fan of his. Playing in Cincinnati, a place I love. You know, like two places that I really special in my heart. But I walked away from it just a fan of Joe Burrow, the man, and and the competitor. And so, I have uh, been an avid avid supporter of him. And and uh, you know, I, I I producers, our guys on the crew, they always laugh. They know I'm I'm taking Joe's side on anything, uh, just because I believe in him that much. I think he's that special, a young human being, you know. And and I think in this career and, and where he is in in this league as a young man, I think that uh, sky's the limit. And I can't wait to watch the journey and the ride because. Um, I think he's just one of those guys that being at your best when your best is required, competitive greatness, um, he's one of the most unique people when it comes to that that I've been around, and, and he has the mindset of it. And so I always just get excited and look forward to what the journey is going to look like, man. I can't wait to keep following him. Let's turn to the guys that are protecting Joe. Since their Super Bowl loss to your Rams, the Bengals have certainly addressed the offensive line. They've signed three free agents that are starting. They drafted Cordell Volson. How do you think that group is playing? I think they've continued to get better and better this year. I, I think that uh, one thing that really sticks out to me is that, you know, Jonah Williams, man, what a what a move for him. I mean, I, I was telling somebody this a couple weeks ago. I did a podcast on offensive line play. And um, to me, he's one of those guys that th this may literally have gone from something that, you know, uh, you always say in life with career opportunities, you know, sometimes what you think could be the worst thing ever is the best. Um, I think him moving to the right side may be something that uh, extends his career and even maybe his ceiling in the league as a player. I thought I think he's really shown that he's got a lot of upside there and, and could be a really solid, uh, you know, consistent player, you know, and even maybe an elite one. I, th I think that he's uh, looked really good. So it's been exciting to watch. And then, you know, I think with Orlando and everybody else, it just, uh, it's been fun to watch as they've grown together, gotten to know each other. Anytime you play in a new offense, uh, you know, as for him coming over from Kansas City, it's it's still different and getting to know your quarterback. Uh, he's continued to show why he was that prize free agent at that position. And then, you know, the rest of that group has gotten better and better over the years. You know, I know Rod Fitzpatrick, my teammate uh, with Amazon, is close with Teddy Karras. So we we get updates from Teddy and what, what a uh, fun guy he is. And that group in the interior has really gotten better and better. So I, I think it's a fun group to watch. Maybe, you know, potentially – you know, the best O-line for sure that Burroughs had since he's been there and, and one of the better O-lines in, in, you know, in the recent memory of, of Cincinnati, if they continue to progress this way, really what they're going to have to lean on, though. When you got a special quarterback as unique as Joe, you need a special offensive line to go with them. And so uh, it's been good to see that group continue to get better and better every week. Going back to that Super Bowl game, you were matched up against Trey Hendrickson, who's become one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. We've heard that Trey takes on a different personality when he's on the field. There's on-field Trey and off-field Trey. Was it a unique experience for you? It was. I, you know, he's uh, he's a funny guy, man. On the field, he talks a lot and uh, just a character. You know, uh, I think there's that famous clip of him and I, you know, when a play gets blown dead. Uh, that he keeps rushing and then asks me to stop blocking him and like screaming at me about it. And I'm like, if you're going to keep moving, I'm going to keep moving. That's how this football works. Like, you know, so I don't stop till you stop. So it, it's, uh, it's entertaining, but it's uh, fun to watch. I mean, he's, he's a guy, man, his energy and passion. And he's one of the guys to me that, that really changed this era of Cincinnati Bengal history and the way they play. I mean, honestly, on that side of the football, the energy and passion he plays with, 
Um, I think that that's who they lean on now, especially with some of the safeties gone, with Von Bell and then Jesse Bates gone. I mean, he's kind of that one of those guys that it's like, hey, we're going to look to a veteran on this football team and how we play the game of football and compete. He's that guy. So it's been fun to continue to watch him and had a lot of fun playing with him in the Super Bowl just because I'd played him in New Orleans a couple times. But, you know, it's unique. When you go somewhere else and you're kind of signed there to be the guy, I think your personality comes out a little more. And I thought New Orleans, I, I couldn't even remember him speaking. And in Cincinnati, he was quite a character. And uh, we had a good time. We're visiting with Andrew Whitworth. You overlapped with Zach Taylor for two years in Los Angeles. What are his biggest strengths as a leader? Oh, man, I, I think just consistency and, and really the the pulse he has on, on his guys and his team and his locker room. I mean, I can remember him being here and, and uh, coming to me and telling me that he was going to take the interview opportunity. And I also remember talking to Duke, you know, way before that, even about guys that I thought across the league that um, would be possible candidates. And and so it was, well, I was excited to hear that they were going to interview Zach and um, because he, he was definitely one of the guys on that list for me. And then to hear Zach's excitement about going there, I can remember him talking about Cincinnati with me and us kind of going through the city and everything else. And we had some good memories of that. And then him getting the job, man, I was so excited for him. I think he's, I always thought he was this guy to me that like, if you've ever played on a team with a really good, just uh, uh, like a quarterback or backup quarterback who just kind of is the guy that you're like, man, when this dude's in the game, you just feel like we're going to do something because he just has that energy and belief about himself and just carries himself in a way where you know, like, when it just comes down to competition, we're going to compete in a way that we're going to have some fun and get after it and we're going to wing it and let it ride. And he has that personality, and I'm sure his players feel that too, that that's who he is. He's a fighter and a competitor. A competitor. And so um, I think, you know, I couldn't be more happy for him, man. I'm really excited to see and continue to watch how his coaching career goes. There's one player left from your last year in Cincinnati, and that's wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who's had a great year, but unfortunately had a costly drop at the end of the game last week. As a teammate and friend, how would you approach that? Oh, man, I mean, I think you got to remember who he's been and what he's been for this franchise. I mean, moments uh, are exactly that. They're small moments, and that, that'll be forgotten in three weeks uh, when, you know, they have a chance to get back on this thing. If they get back to winning and, and doing things the right way, uh, he'll continue to make plays and be exactly who he's always been. Um, and nobody will remember that moment, man. It, you know, look, setbacks are just great opportunities for uh, amazing comebacks. And so anytime you have those moments, I've given up sacks, you know, in a, in a critical moment of a game or let a quarterback get hit or maybe not had your best snap. Um, guys that are wired like Tyler Boyd is, um, man, he's going to have something special happen because that's who he is. And, and you watch those kind of guys play. You know, it's almost like having this small thing that you consider a setback or a moment that they failed uh, sets them up for an insane run after it. And so I, I expect nothing less from him, man, because of the guy he is and the competitor he is. With the Bengals are last in rushing yards per game, they're 28th in rushing yards per attempt. Does it matter with Burrow and these receivers or do they need to get more out of the running game? Well, I think you look at it, you know, a lot of people always compare Joe and Tom Brady and put them in those sentences of, you know, hey, these are guys that are similar, those comparisons. And I, I think there is, and, and there's been years where Tom Brady, you know, especially in the Tampa years, struggled to run the football, his offenses did, um, but they were still really productive and really good football team. You know, I, I still think for me, just, you know, and, and how I love football, I would love to see them you know, find a way to be more effective in the run game. I've always said this about him. I mean, that's usually the first thing 
that uh, I look to. When, when the Cincinnati Bengals are running the football well under Joe Burrow, um, they're unstoppable. I don't think anybody can stop them offensively if they can run the football well. Because when they do, it seems like that offense, um, there's really no answers. And so them figuring out the run game and how they can run it well and and in what situations and who with, I think it's a big part of this offense. And to me, I put that right there with his ability to check the ball down and be able to get yards out of that as well. You know, and I think that, that you look over time when Burrow can do that and he has the kind of guys that get him some yak yardage off, off of those check downs and, and also the, you know, kind of a, you know, almost like a run, but it's a short version of it, you know, and then throwing it. But when you see him be able to do that, spread the ball around, get yak yardage, uh, and then also them run the football effectively, they're a really tough offense to get off the field. And so um, those are really the things I look to when I turn on the tape and say, hey, how Cincinnati playing up front and how they're playing on offense. You see the Thursday night game every week now with Amazon. What's the biggest challenge for players to participate in a Thursday night game? I think when I was playing, you know, I don't know. I was just one of those guys. I never sided with the guys who thought it was tough. I mean, I, to me, it's like, you know, uh, if you're a daily rhythm guy to where on Sunday you play in a game and on Monday you come in, you get your lift and you're in really your flush of your body and everything else on Tuesday you move. I mean, you look at our week, Wednesday and Thursday are usually our roughest, you know, most physical days, you know, in our practice schedule anyways. And so even later in my career, when I didn't practice on Wednesdays, Thursday was still like even my career, the Rams, I still practiced in every padded practice on Thursday because that was our padded day. Um, so I could handle that load that day. So to me, when you said, all right, man, I get into my rhythm of like, it's practice Thursday and I'm going in pads, playing this game and then get a little bit of a bye week after it. Uh, I, I, man, I was signed up for that any week. Uh, now maybe that was my age and just wanting a little bit of a break from after going to the building. But, you know, I, I think to me, the biggest challenge really is just, you know, do you have a process? And so I think that you see some of these guys that maybe they've always trusted their body just heals by the time the next time they play. And, they're not as uh, on top of those things, take care of their body day in and day out. They may not enjoy this game as much, but I think if you're on top of those type things, then, man, you enjoy, hey, man, I get an extra couple days to let the body reset, even maybe get more conditioning and different things in that I wouldn't normally get to get in between games. Um, I've always thought, to me, it was a positive. Looking at this matchup, the Ravens' defense is number one in the NFL in fewest points allowed, number two in yards allowed. What makes this defense so formidable? Man, they have been special. I think, you know, really since the addition of Roquan Smith, you've really seen this defense take uh, that next little step, and then they've continued to have some guys show up, you know, young guys that they relied on, you know, that said, hey, we, we know these guys eventually are going to be who we think they are. And uh, you've seen that in their pass rush. You've seen it in their secondary you know, it's really they're starting to become a group that has a little bit of, you know, similar to what Cincinnati had going there. You know, when you really saw Trey Hendrickson come in and DJ Reader, and then when Jesse Bates and Von Bell and those guys, you almost saw different guys stepping up all different levels of the defense. And I think that's one of those things that's really made this group tough is that uh, you kind of can see playmakers at every different level of it. And they're all feeding off of, hey, we got this guy in the middle named Ro Roquan Smith who's a tackling machine and really is that tone setter that sets the, this is the identity and, and who we are and how we're going to play football. Final thing for Andrew Whitworth, what are a couple of keys for the Bengals to get out of Baltimore with a victory on Thursday night? I think they're going to be real, have to be really efficient. I mean, this team, this team, you know, Baltimore is going to mix it up. They're going to do some things similar to what Buffalo did, try to disguise, mix it up a little bit of what they're doing, how they're going to come after you. 
Um, and they're going to force, you know, the Bengals to have some answer for, you know what, if you're not going to run the football, we're going to tee off on you. And and so they're going to try to make Joe get the ball out of his hand. Um, and you can't let that pass rush dominate you. But you look at your, this team, uh, Cincinnati typically under Joe Burrow, man, they've had a response when they've had a setback and, and when they've had a loss. And so it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then to see Baltimore coming off it too, I mean, Somebody was telling me the other day that, you know, man, I can't believe this happened to us. We got their game and they both end up losing. I said, man, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to us. Because if you know Baltimore and Cincinnati, it's going to be an absolute war come Thursday night because both these teams do not handle losing very well. So it's going to be fun to watch who comes out and gets this done. Because I know for Cincinnati, you're going to have to be prepared for all the things that this new offense under Lamar really uh, brings it's a different style offense than he's had in the past and then defensively uh they are really good so you're gonna have to be efficient and you know hopefully uh if t higgins is back you know that'll help him if not you know what it's gonna be uh jamar chase is the superstar and we're gonna have to prove why with after a hall of fame career you are doing a fantastic job as a broadcaster it's no surprise i appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you on thursday appreciate you so much Sam, man thank you always for the time The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. I've seen a lot of references this week to the Bengals' lousy record in primetime games on the road. Our friend Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for Pro Football Network, pointed out this week that they've dropped 14 in a row. Those numbers are accurate, but as I like to point out, this is the year for JB, as in Joe Burrow. Anything before that should be disregarded. Does Andy Dalton throwing a pick six in a primetime road game back in 2013 really matter now? No, but it's fair to point out that the Bengals are 0-4 in the Burrow era in primetime road games, losing in the AFC Championship game last year at Kansas City, losing twice in Cleveland, and losing last year in Baltimore, where Joe gave them the lead with a touchdown run with 158 to go, only to have Justin Tucker answer with a game-winning field goal at the gun. When Joe Burrow is presented with an obstacle that he hasn't been able to overcome in the past, he usually takes care of it. Hopefully, he'll cross a primetime road win off the list on Thursday night. Now, time for this week's one-on-one player interview. I caught up with 33-year-old Bengal safety Michael Thomas this week. The former pro bowler for his special teams excellence is on the practice squad this year and hasn't been activated for a game yet. But as you'll hear, he continues to play an important role thanks to his knowledge and leadership. Mike, I don't think anybody took the Texans lightly last week. I don't really believe that. But in every line of work, some weeks you bring your A game and some weeks you don't. Did you feel like things were just a little bit off last week? No, no question. I mean, and we're not going to make any excuses, Dan. Uh, you, you turn on that tape and, no, nah, that's that's not us. That's not being a football, you know, across the board. So you got to look at it. He's like, I don't think we thought it was a, you know, quote-unquote trap game, sleeper game. Oh, we're taking them lightly. What I do think is that Texans team is probably a little better than what the, the whole NFL probably thought. Mm-hmm. And then, two, that we just got to play up to our standards, play better, just do our job. That's it. And that wasn't the uh, case 
on Sunday. So Houston had a lot of yards in the game, 544 yards, 356 passing, 188 rushing. You want to fix everything if you can, but what's the number one thing you must fix? Oh, you got to fix the run game. You got to fix the run game. Like, in no level of football, not peewee, high school, college, uh, definitely not the NFL, is giving up over 100 yards, 150-something rushing yards, acceptable, right? Everything starts with stopping the run. You stop the run, you make that team one-dimensional, you're able to get more exotic with the type of calls and pressures you're dictating the game, right? When you allow them to rush for over 100 yards, 150 yards, they're controlling the tempo. So if you got to fix one thing, and trust me, we heard from Lou, but we heard it from ourselves as well, but we heard from Lou, the one thing you got to fix is our run game. And uh, clearly, we're down guys, but this is the NFL. A lot of people are down guys. So whoever's in there, you got to play up to the standard. There can be no drop-off. we got to fix our run game. We're visiting with safety Michael Thomas. You're part of a secondary room with a lot of young guys. Cam Taylor Britt's in his second year. Dax Hill's in his second year. You've got rookies, Jordan Battle, DJ Turner, DJ Ivy, who hasn't played yet but will at some point. What stands out to you about all these young guys? I think it's their uh, resiliency and willing to learn quickly because this one is the NFL. This is not the college. You know what I'm saying, the college game that they're just coming from either in their second year or as rookies, like you said, and we're calling on them to play significant amount of time in insignificant roles. So the fact that they're picking up this playbook and, you know, Lou, he, 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 is, you know, he, he was nicknamed, you know, the mad scientist for a reason. He's switching it up week in, week out, and their attention to detail coming in you know, extra meetings. They're coming in early. They're asking the right questions. They're going out to practice early, staying out late, doing extra drills because they it means something to them, and they want to be right for all the vets in our room. So to see them and their growth week in and week out, it's impressive. And, again, at this point, you know, 10 games into the uh, NFL season or 10 weeks, you know, you hardly can't even consider them rookies anymore, especially with the amount of snaps they have uh, played. So, you know, proud of them. But, again, young dudes got to grow up quick because we're playing some, uh, some almost like playoff football from this point forward. You've grown very close as a friend and mentor to Tyson Anderson. You took him under your wing last year. You had him over to the house for Thanksgiving dinner. He was hurt last year, and unfortunately he tore his ACL a few weeks ago against San Francisco. How's he doing, and how did that one hit you? Yeah, that one hit hard. One, because time on task, right? He just just spent so much time and invested so much, you know, time and energy to help this young man, you know, make that transition from college to the NFL, right? And you know what type of player he wants to be. So I'm doing everything in my power, giving him all the game and knowledge that I have, knowing that eventually he's going to be the one that steps in and plays, and that's fine. I want to see it. So he starts seeing the success. Before he left, he was leading the league in NFL special teams tackles, and then to, boom, get hurt again for a season-ending you know, uh, injury, that's tough. But he's in good spirits. I know his surgery went well. Uh, talked to him just yesterday, you know, keeping, up, keeping him up in spirits because this is a journey. He's going to go through a process where – you know, might be some dark days, but just like your rookie year, you kept working, you kept grinding, knowing that at some point, you don't know when, at some point it's going to pay off. And it paid off this way, it's going to be the same thing. As a matter of fact, this story is going to be even greater because now you've proven you can play at a high level in the NFL, regardless if it's special teams or defense. Let's get through this injury, come back stronger. You'll be fine. Mike, you're in your 12th NFL season. You're a former pro bowler. You've played more than 120 NFL games. But this year... You're on the practice squad and haven't been elevated to the game day roster yet. How have you dealt with that? 
it's an interesting question, Dan. And to be honest, uh, my perspective is different at 33 versus that 22- and 23-year-old kid coming out of college, right? Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, look, I'm going to prepare every day. Like, you know, I'm going to be that speed for running down on kickoff. And, oh, if we you know, get in the pinch and need another DB, I'll go play wherever in the secondary. I'm preparing every week like that. And now versus at 23, I understand that these young guys – well, even though I might not be able to help them by being a teammate on the field, I can help them with my knowledge. And I can see the mistakes that are made. I can see the uh, issues that they might face even before they get there and just trying to, like, help them ask those questions, help them, you know, change their alignments, help them with their technique. And for me not being elevated and playing yet, I'm still finding gratification in seeing them go out and execute on something we might have worked on personally. Not something the coach asked us to do. He didn't ask me to go, you know, have these extra meetings. Not something that, you know, I'm trying to do so I can get brownie points so I can get elevated. It's just out of pure love for the game because I had vets mentor me and love for these young dudes that I'm going out there and helping them. And I see them go out there, execute that, and go make a play. That's the best best feeling in the world, almost close to like I'm making a play. So I'm handling it well and just knowing that, hey, if that opportunity comes where – I'm called upon to play. I'll be ready. But even if it's not, Dan, I'm good. I'm good. Blessed. I asked safeties coach Robert Livingston what your willingness to be on the practice squad means to the team. Here's what he said. Oh, it means the world. Um, you know, Mike is as special as anybody I've ever been around. Uh, Mike could, could do anything in the world. He could work at Procter & Gamble. He could be in the government. He could be in Secret Service. He could do anything. Um, and he's here with us, and he's away from his family, and he's, he's putting himself through, you know, what a lot of other 33-year-olds won't do for the, for the good of the team. You know, we talk all the time about a team mentality and what does that look like. That looks like Mike Thomas. Um, so he's a special, special guy. I think the world of him. Uh, I do anything in the world for him. You know, he's made me a better person, a better coach, um, and just really grateful to have him. What do those words mean to you, and what do you think your impact is? I mean, yeah, you know, Dan, I'm, I try to be tough, but I, I get emotional sometimes, mm-hmm. so I will not get choked up right here. But, uh, no, nah, Rob's a great man and uh, been a great mentor in this, for the secondary uh, for the past three years since I've been here. And I appreciate those words by you, Rob. Uh means more than you know, especially right now. But for me, hearing those things and what other people's perspective of me and how they see me and think of me, man, I mean – I don't do any of this for that, Dan. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like anybody else, it feels good to hear those things. But for me, man, just being the best teammate, best person every single day when I walk through those doors, that's just me. And I'm, I'm going to continue to do that regardless of what my role is, Dan. A couple of Baltimore-specific questions now. This game was already going to be important. Right. But after last week, what are your feelings about this matchup now? Right. I mean, like you said, it's a divisional uh, game almost rivalry feeling game right regardless of what the circumstance is but now that you add you know uh five and four that's the reality we can't hide from that right five and four and then you look across the AFC everyone's kind of sitting right there you know everybody's within range like maybe two games out three games out at best um you don't want to say must win but the sense of urgency needs to be high right and you can feel it and it's a short week so you're battling that right you're battling you know injuries now you're going to face a tough Baltimore team that before this week, you know, taking that loss to Cleveland, they were on the road. So we were hitting that stride. We're dealing with a lot. We're both coming off tough losses. We're both coming 
Oh, I mean, going into a short week on Thursday night football. So the challenge is there in itself with all those elements. But I think understanding the landscape of the AFC and the goals of us trying to make, make it to the playoffs, win the division, make it to the playoffs, this is a must win. And I think the sense of urgency in this locker room by every single player, by every single coach, I mean, it's, it's felt. But it's not a nervous energy. It's just it's time. Does this rivalry feel different? Oh, definitely. I mean, like I said, I – was fortunate enough to play, you know, for a couple of different teams in the NFL, a couple of different divisions, and they don't really have that college feel. You know, like, oh, yeah, that's our rivalry. You know, that's the team we got to beat in the division. But it, it, it's not that much emotion invested. With here, you can see it with the fans. You can just feel it. You see them all throughout the week talking about it, wearing orange around, you know what I'm saying, the stadium just, just in, in, in Cincinnati. We know when we go over to that stadium, it's going to be a hostile environment. I didn't, I've never felt that in the NFL until I played here, going to one of those stadiums. Uh, it's going to be electric. It's Thursday night football, so we're excited. There's a lot of energy. That's all we're talking about, bringing the energy this week. So this rivalry, it was already tense and heated. The two games back-to-back last year, I remember that, like the back, you know what I'm saying, like, like it was yesterday. Oh man! So it's going. It's going to be sports. Going to be flying. I'm trying to trying to be keep it PG right now, Dan. But sports <laughs> going to be flying. It's going to be heated. It's Thursday night football. Let's go. I'm with Rob Livingston. I'm grateful you're on this team. Always appreciate your time. Best of luck this week. No problem. Thank you so much, Dan. The Bengals are currently a four-point underdog for Thursday's game as they look to boost their chances of winning the AFC North for the third year in a row. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor. Proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.